0: Welcome to Future Stories Podcast with Cambridge Wireless, a leading international community of over a thousand companies involved in the R&D and application of wireless, mobile, internet, semiconductor and software technologies. I am your host Nadia Aziz, co-founder of Unbounded Future, a digital health and deep tech consulting company for early and growth stage startups here in the UK. I am also a special interest group champion of future devices and technologies at Cambridge Wireless. We have lined up some amazing and inspirational future makers that are disrupting the marketplace with breakthrough technologies. We hope through our show, they will also inspire other creators to bring radical innovations that will improve our lives. I am pleased to host Dr. Jamie Reed. Jamie loves working with clients to invent the space services of the future and 5G, one of the most exciting developments in the industry as satellite and terrestrial technologies converge. He leads SATCOM and Earth Observation Services and Application Development in the UK for CGI, which is one of the world's largest and most dynamic IT and business consulting companies. He has spent 20 years in the space industry as systems engineer and project manager, working on some of the most complex ground satellite and software systems. Jamie has a doctorate in atmospheric oceanic and planetary physics and is a chartered engineer. Just check, Yeah, it works now. Hi Jamie, welcome to this episode with Cambridge Wireless. Thank you for joining us. I'm so pleased to have you here and uh, it looks like you're going to talk about a lot of opportunities with the non-terrestrial networks and how they support 5G. So um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us more about this, this fantastic work that you're doing.
1: Okay, well hi Nadia, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Um, so my name is Jamie Reed. I work for CGI. Um, I'm director of new projects in the satellite communications and Earth observation uh, department. Um, so I look after all the new innovative projects um, that, uh, that involve space technology in one form or another. Um, and one of the areas we're really looking at at the moment is, is 5G. So 5G is obviously something that people will come now coming across with new mobile phone technologies and so on. But what people probably don't know is that it's a tremendous opportunity for enriching the ecosystem um, of mobile telephony and cellular communication. And one of the ways to do that is with satellite technology. So satellite technology provides the ability to rapidly roll out Um, any kind of communications network anywhere in the world, in rural areas, um, in places where you wouldn't find normal terrestrial connectivity, so on the sea, in the air, for example. Um, So satellites provide a capability to extend the the existing terrestrial network in ways that are done today with satellites. Um, Mm -hmm. So you'll find satellite technology being used to provide Wi-Fi on airliners, for example, um, and many people will have used that. Um, But what we're looking at with 5G is is really integrating that satellite connectivity into the traditional um, technology and and, uh, telephony type networks Mm -hmm. in a way that's completely seamless. So we've got um, a number of different projects which we're running in conjunction with the European Space Agency, um, one of which is around planning these types of hybrid networks. So this is where you can use uh, a non-terrestrial network uh, as a a component of a terrestrial network, or vice versa, to um, make a much more efficient the lower cost rollout over wide areas, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're working on uh, applications of that technology, um, for example, in uh, the airline industry and also in the uh, rail industry, for example.
0: Okay, so that means that we'll have seamless connectivity wherever we go, um, despite, despite which geography we are in. And, and is that... Is that highly dependent then on, on 5G coverage in, 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 the, in the sense that today we don't have 5G uh, networks uh, across the country. So would that mean that this will come in phases or we would see this over a period of time uh, being deployed across the, uh, across the UK and then uh, abroad outside as well?
1: Um, Yeah, so a a good example is using uh, satellite communications for for backhaul. Mm -hmm. Um, So today we could go and build a 5G uh, base station and deploy a 5G um, cell or series of cells anywhere with a satellite backhaul um, with very little planning. So it could be done very, very quickly. Um, And that's been done in the past for 4G and 3G um, as a way of... Um, more rapidly deploying the technology, the the 3G and 4G technology, into areas before fibre, for example, was laid. Mm -hmm. But now the capacity of satellites is much higher than it was in the past, so it's actually possible to uh, stay on the satellite network in those kind of deployments and receive a really good quality of service in a way that probably wasn't so possible before.
0: Okay, so, so, you know, to, to work in this kind of um, um, environments on this kind of projects, it might require a huge ecosystem. So, in in, in your case, in, in the case, you know, the projects that you're describing, what kind of players are there, you know, so there may be something in infrastructure, but then there's also the other end where you see the different use cases that you've just described. Um, And would you like to go a bit more in detail first uh, around the ecosystem and then what sort of use cases we would uh, see or likely to uh, see and who are those people that would be actually creating them?
1: Okay, so I think in terms of the ecosystem, um, it depends a little bit on on the the end use case. So Mm -hmm. in the backhaul use case, uh, we have the MNOs, for example, so the MNOs are are one of the key players. They're the ones who are rolling out the the terrestrial network and um, they're looking to do it more cost effectively at wide scale. So for example, to deploy a new network in Scotland with 100% or 99% geographical coverage, satellite technology offers this opportunity to do it much, much more cheaply because you don't need to install the fibers uh, to the base station. So there's a huge advantage to using satellite technology even in places like the UK. Um, So the MNOs are a key player, the satellite operators um, are a key player, Um, so we work with the likes of InMarsat and SES, for example, two quite well-known companies. Um, And they're generally providing that that communication service um, uh, to the the MNOs. Then you've got got the likes of CGI, who, who are in there as a system integrator. And then you've got the um, the people building the satellite terminals. So the, the modems, the satellite antennas and so on. And they, they play quite a key part because all of that technology to be integrated into a 5G network needs to be fully virtualized. It needs to be compatible with all the three GPP standards. So there's quite a lot of work going on in that area at the moment So look all of the individual elements can be virtualized and put into, uh, into a, into a software defined network. Um, They're going beyond that to the mobility use cases. The um, we have the, the sort of platform operators, so um, the airlines, for example, mm-hmm. uh, air, air, air travel is a really good example where you've got the airlines, you've got the uh, the aircraft manufacturers, the OEMs, <clears throat> um, and so for example, we're seeing Airbus um, is. Uh, planning to install satellite terminals on all their planes as when they leave the factory for example even though that may be um, something that the, the airline company doesn't op- actually activate it's a, a feature of the plane so um, you've got the platform providers um, rail companies as well for example, you're talking about rail you've got the rail operators you've got the, the train manufacturers as well and they all need to be brought together really in the systems integration is fairly complex because you've got the network layer which might be provided by um, the likes of an MNO or it might be provided in a kind of DIY fashion. So we're seeing quite a few companies um, and operators looking to, to do a kind of DIY style private network, particularly where they've got a mobile platform, for example. So there's less worry about um, spectrum in some of those cases. Um, and uh, I think the real challenge is to get all these individual parts working together. So particularly in the mobility use cases to come back to that, I think there's a real, there's a real desire to make this happen. But then the question is from a technical standpoint, how do you do it? And I think we're beginning to make some real progress in doing those kinds of deployments and understanding how to make those deployments efficient. But um, because the the ecosystem is quite large the number of use cases is is potentially enormous um there's quite a lot of work that needs to be done to really optimize it
0: right so um, i mean there are so many players there it's it's it sounds like it's it's really complex so um, how does the interdependency work you know you being an integrator you i'm sure those are one of the key challenges that you face um how do you how do you recognize those challenges? How do you overcome them? And how do you make sure that there is a smooth uh, pass on of information or, or construction? I don't know how to describe that, but uh, mm-hmm. what, uh, what, what is your strategy there?
1: So I think um, the first part is three is GPP, so standardization. Yeah. So um, people perhaps haven't noticed, but in 3GPP um, non-terrestrial networks are now part of 3GPP, there's a a work stream Mm -hmm. and a working group. Um, In the release 16 there was um, some initial technical specifications and reports and and there are more coming in the next release and the release beyond that, so it's 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 a core study item. So this, the standardization is, is happening. And an interesting, interesting point is that's never happened before. So satellites have never been part of 3GPP before. And, and not just satellites, I mean, this includes um, any kind of aerial platforms as well. We've got people talking about fixed wing, rotary wing, um, UAVs, for example, balloons, mm. um, of course, Google Loon and so on. So there are potentially quite a lot of technologies playing into this area of non-terrestrial networks. Um, so this, implementing those standards and developing those, those standards is, is really important so that whatever's development fits into the, the 3gPP ecosystem um, and then building partnerships uh, with other companies so, so we 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 um, uh, try and talk with as many people as possible and work with as many companies and partners as possible. Um, and uh, Cambridge Wireless, for example, is a great example where we, we're trying to reach out to, in, into uh, the ecosystem, meet other companies, uh, work with them and develop new ideas because this is such a fertile, fertile area. Um, it's something that's not really been done before at this kind of scale. So there's lots of opportunities for new ideas, new technologies um, that that perhaps uh, wasn't so possible in the past.
0: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. So I think yeah, you're right. <laughs> With you can't be a single lone player in this widely uh, yeah, yeah. complex ecosystem. Um, yeah. You know, coming back to the previous question, um, you know, where, where you talked about the mobility use case where um, satellite and 5G uh, connectivity plays a, a really key role. Um, you know, so you, you mentioned about airline and, and how the, the airbuses um, are being uh, installed with uh, with connectivity already. So in, in these cases, today, as of today, we already have connectivity in some of these planes, mm-hmm. uh, for example, the Emirates. Um, How would that change with with what you're describing? And as a user, uh, as a passenger myself, what am I going to uh, see or or experience different from what I have today?
1: So I think there's, um, you're absolutely right, Nadia, Um, so that's been a big change over the last five years, I guess, that um, now more and more we're seeing Wi-Fi on planes, so um, we're able to keep connectivity in the air. More often than not, that involves a satellite component. Um, obviously, over the seas and over a lot of land, for example, um, the, the, the satellite technology is used to, to carry that information. Um, so w- what we'll see in the coming years, uh, as 5G becomes more integrated, is the ability to roam with your handset directly onto a 5G network on the plane. So rather than having to, um, when you when you leave the terminal to, to come off the, the Wi-Fi yeah. in, the, in, the, in the terminal and you'll be in you'll be on 5G and the terminal you'll step onto the plane you'll still be on 5G and as a user you just won't you won't see any difference it will just be completely seamless yeah. um, and that that from a user experience point of view is is, is, is really powerful um, it means that um, the services you get on the plane will be much much more similar to what you will get um, on on the ground both in terms of how you use those services but also the performance of those services so um at the moment even if you do use wi-fi on on the plane um sometimes it's it's not the highest quality for example you know we've all we've all used that but there's a lot of technology work going on in, in terms of the technology behind that to improve it so particularly there's the introduction of the low earth orbit uh, satellites like Starlink, for example, yeah. OneWeb is, is a great example there, which will really increase the capacity and reduce the latency, um, which will make it, so that will make a huge difference. Um, things like mobile edge computing um, mm-hmm. that will come to planes as well so that the um, there'll be more computing power on, on the plane as well. Um, so, so generally you'll be able to go from, Uh, just accessing your email or doing a bit of web surfing to the kind of rich experience that you get um, in everyday life on on the plane Um, so you know so people are talking already today about having AR for example so Mm. when you're on VR when you're on the plane well traditionally you would watch a, watch a, a, a 2D video. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: the next step in that is, well, let's give the passengers all access to Netflix or, or whatever your chosen VOD platform is um, so that they can watch whatever they like. And mm-hmm. importantly, the, the, um, the airline can make some money from that. Um, and then the next step is, well, let's give the passengers a, a VR experience as well mm-hmm. you know, so they can access VR streaming as well. So that all these things are, are in the roadmap. Um, and that's that's what five G enables.
0: It's really exciting, and it reminds me of you know there's a series on Netflix since you mentioned Netflix, um, where um, there's this lady who's going to she she's on a journey to Mars, and she is talking to her child uh, who is on planet Earth. But in you know using using uh, FaceTime and she's she's like regularly in contact and it's quite seamless. It didn't doesn't feel like she is you know it just feels like she's gone to another country and not somewhere else. So it's yeah. it sounds very futuristic from Netflix, but uh, hey, we're here already, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean we um, and uh, as an aside, we are. In discussions at the moment with with a couple of companies about using 5g on the moon for example wow. which seems a bit crazy but but why not people are now thinking about return the americans are going to return to the moon europe will return to the moon china will go to the moon yeah um so hey the sky's the limit
0: i'm <laughs> <laughs> <Or maybe> further <laughs> That, that's interesting, really. And um, in in terms of you know the um, other challenges that you were describing um, earlier on. So uh, apart from you know very complex ecosystem, in terms of um, the you know basic infrastructure itself today about the five G deployment. We are seeing um, it, it, it has begun, but there are obviously some political challenges around that. How do you see that um, going along and and then how do you see that impacting some of the progress that you're already doing in this space?
1: Um, I think obviously what we're seeing with 5D deployments is it's taking and everybody thought it would take a while and it's taking yeah. probably longer than a while for various reasons. Um, and I think um, we're not seeing a huge impact in terms of people wanting companies wanting 5G, wanting the benefits of 5G. The demand signal is is strong and it's it's growing stronger, particularly from um, companies wanting to deploy to, to deploy fi- private 5G networks. So, so there's a lot of interest in in private 5G networks. That's Been enabled, I think, by the approach to spectrum that the, uh, particularly the UK is taking, Germany is also taking to allowing private enterprises to access 5G spectrum themselves. Um, Satellite has a role to play in backhauling um, that that data. Um, So, and there's also a lot of support from a regulatory perspective um, for alternative methods of deploying 5G. Um, certainly in the likes of DCMS, they've become much more receptive over the last few years to, to non-terrestrial networks as they, as they realise they, they wrestle with this conundrum, which is how do we get 5G as quickly as possible to as many people as possible? Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, the, the traditional hebinos have their cycle, their refresh cycle, they have their own challenges. So um, that opens the door to some, some new approaches, really.
0: Okay, fantastic. Unlike satellites. Yeah. Like so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> do we do we expect to see balloons hovering on top of us then? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> yeah. uh, great. So, um, uh, you know, just just uh, departing questions. Um, Jamie, so in in your experience and and or your um or your expectations or your you know or your or hopes, what do you think would be the first? Uh, use cases that we will see um, going forward, the first thing that we'll experience, hey, that's 5G and really we are we are there and this is the reason why I'm compelled to buy a uh, 5G uh, subscription.
1: Um, so, uh, well, I'm hoping the Cambridge Wireless members will know, will know all the, that yeah. has their own views and, yeah. <laughs> on all of that. I think my views are, uh, in terms of 5G itself, I mean, it's, it's obviously about speed, people want more yeah. speed. I think the really compelling thing is, uh, is, is applications like AR and VR. I mean, having, having more speed to your, to your handheld device yeah. it is useful, but it's, it's relatively limited in terms of its use cases. But having richer AR, particularly on the move, and VR on the move, it's not really possible today. When yeah. we, we, we've got a lab where we've been playing around with AR and VR or more AR devices mm. and doing augmented reality on the move using uh, 4G is is possible, it's not not a very pleasant experience. So I think 5G has a really transformative effect to play there in the the uptake of AR. And we see that satellites have a really good role to play in that as well because, um, so we're looking at use cases with remote maintenance, for example, using AR. well, that's great if you can get a really good 5G connection and but most of the time today you can't um, and who knows whether you will in the, in the future. So having the ability to have a guaranteed connection really makes the difference in those use cases that when you go on site, you know that you, your AR devices yeah. will work properly regardless of what the terrestrial infrastructure is. Yeah. So it's a game changer in the sense that it means that you can, as a, as a business, you can guarantee that the service is going to be there. And that's quite powerful, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you made a great point about the remote maintenance uh, application. I was working on a similar application, and and this is one of the first questions that um, we have to send our engineers often to remote areas in Yorkshire or somewhere where there is really poor connectivity. So how do I guarantee that my AR application is really going to work for my engineer? And the whole purpose was to, improve efficiency and this isn't going to make him come back and you know ask for help so so, so yeah. that, that really hits the the point and i absolutely get it so this is this is a really uh, valid and a really here and now use case it's not even in the future it's what we need now so great thank you for sharing that so much jamie and is there any last few words that you would like to share or, or discuss before we uh, conclude for the day
1: no, I mean, I think that was a great conversation. So thanks. Nadia. I mean, I think in terms of Cambridge Wireless, I think we'd, we'd love to work with, yeah. with other partners. We, we're a company that, that um, really values the relationships we, we have with the ecosystem. So it was great to have this opportunity to, to talk with you and um, to, to um, talk about this subject you know, with, with Cambridge Wireless and look forward to having more interactions. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. I, I learned a lot from you today. So thank you so much for sharing everything. Looking forward. thank (laughs) Thank you. Have a nice day.